Hello and welcome to The Insurgents, episode 16. And I'm Rob Rousseau. Hey Rob, it's Jordan Yule here. How are you? I'm doing okay. Doing okay. <laughs> Hanging in there. <laughs> as good as can be expected, I guess. Yeah, things are going great. Um yeah, I mean, they're, they're, it's not so bad, personally. I'm hanging in there. I've been in my apartment for like the last almost a month, I guess around three and a half weeks. So, you know, dealing with the different issues that arise from that, you know, trying to balance all my, my dad's stuff with trying to, you know, get work done and do podcasting and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I'm doing okay. Uh, but one thing that I've noticed like in the news lately that's been making it a lot harder to kind of deal with the everyday issues that kind of go along with this this pandemic this unprecedented crisis yeah uh and let me break down for some of the some of what i've been seeing here okay okay so recently i saw there was the unemployment numbers in the u.s that were just released and i think over the last two and a half weeks or so we're, we're looking at around 10 million americans that are out of work right now oh boy and you know that's that might that might Not be bad. climbing yeah um we're seeing the coronavirus deaths just really start to Every single night, it's jumping up by hundreds or 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 more. Really mm-hmm. getting into to high figures. I think the last figure I saw was like over nine thousand people now in the U.S. have died uh, from coronavirus, which is obviously really scary as well. But I think even worse than than both of those things is that I'm seeing people in in politics in the media, and they're going out there and they're saying mean stuff about Donald Trump. And that I mean, now is not the time for that kind of stuff, no. Jordan. It's just. I don't see how people don't see that. Oh, come on. I wish you wouldn't have told me that. I mean, this is the time that we need to unite and we need to choose hope over fear because that's how we're going to beat this thing. Vaccines, maybe, yeah. sure. But the best thing you can do right now is, is rally behind the president and, and unite as a country. And I know I don't just speak for, for me. I don't just speak for my friends and my associates. And I, I, and I don't even just speak for Americans. I think the most important thing that people around the world can do is unite behind Trump because that's what's truly important yeah. right now. Yeah. And I mean, you can't just have opposition for opposition's sake, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I think we, we, everyone needs to be working together right now. And, you know, just because Donald Trump, quote unquote, said coronavirus was a hoax and said it was going to be over quickly and it was totally fine mm-hmm. and that you know people shouldn't really change their lives or their approach in any way mm-hmm. and just because he did all those things and it's led directly to all you know these thousands of deaths and this really really terrible crisis i mean just because of that people are like using that as kind of this wedge wow. issue to be you know uncivil uh toxic uh to just attack the president and it's just really it really puts me off uh, you know, I'm seeing Biden bros and and certain people kind of doing that online. It really just makes me just puts me off the whole process. Mm-hmm. Really disgusting stuff. No, and I I agree completely. It's just there. It, I I ask myself this frequently, but no no more than right now. Uh, is there is there nothing that people won't politicize? And I think that they are trying yeah. to politicize this just because Donald Trump wanted to uh, pretend like this was a, a democratic hoax. Or that it would never come here, or having campaign spokespeople go on the most watched cable news network and say coronavirus will never be in the United States. That should not yeah. matter. Like, why are you holding on to that? Move on. Stop living in the past. Yeah, or you know, he just going into a press conference and just recommending random combinations of different medicines that people should try. Yeah. And you know, they it's- and then people having them do that and then actually die. I mean, just right. why would you focus on that? And not the important stuff that that's well, happening right now, like you know the deficit. Well, yeah, way more important, of course. But also on the medicine thing, aren't Democrats supposed to be the party of science? And how do you make scientific uh, advances through experiments? Donald Trump just wanted to do an experiment with yeah. two different medicines. Why are you mad about this? I really hope my neighbors don't think I'm a lunatic. Yeah, I know. I saw that that one comment from someone that was like, their their partner came in while they were listening to it, and they're like, why are you listening to these guys bash Bernie Sanders and talk about all this stuff? It's like, no, no. Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay, well, everyone, um, 
Welcome to the Insurgents. Uh, thanks for tuning in to another episode. We've got a really great one coming up today uh, with the District Sentinel boys, the two Sams uh, from the District Sentinel and from Means Morning News on Means TV, Sam Knight and Sam Sachs. We had a really fun talk with them. Um, they're going to be coming on the show in just a few minutes. Yeah, I like these guys. Uh, they're fun to talk to. I like their show, The District Sentinel. If you want to check them out, uh, they're, I think they're on Patreon. And then Means Morning News on Means TV, if you have the uh, means, I guess, or the ability to subscribe. Um, what Means TV overall is doing, I think, nice. is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I like that. Uh, it's good. <laughs> if you can subscribe, definitely check it out. I like, I think, just like they're creating, you know, a video network and a news network and media company or media co op or collaborative and worker run uh, with a leftist perspective. I think it's interesting. And we need that yeah. sorely. So, yeah, check them out. Yeah. So I, I don't want to take too much time uh, before we, we go ahead with the interview. I think we have to talk just for just a minute about this very, very stupid Joe Rogan controversy. Oh, God. Which yeah. yeah. Took up like the entire <laughs> the entire day of discourse yesterday was about Joe Rogan. But yeah, I just um, this was just so fucking painful to see all these these liberals who are literally right now courting the likes of like Nick Kristoff and uh, David Brooks and Jennifer Rubin and all these just truly vile pieces of shit Republicans who all supported the Iraq war and led to millions of deaths and, you know, have also associations with like racism, transphobia and all of these things pretend all of a sudden to be like, it's beyond the pale to, uh, to tout support from Joe Rogan and especially after yesterday, he had this clip where he was talking about how he'd probably rather vote for Trump than Biden because Biden doesn't seem like he's all there. Uh, and no one really knows how capable he's going to be to um, to actually confront any of this crisis or anything else. And uh, so liberals uh, uh, with way too much time on their hands took this comment and and turned it into this like an, yet another uh, fake outrage news cycle. And these people are not doing well. They're, they're not they're not OK right now. No, we need to it, give these people some jobs to do. Yeah, really, go work in a grocery store or something. Um, it's just it's yeah. so bizarre. Uh, they want to make this into something it's not. Uh, you know the 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 stupidity around the first cycle and how everyone was hand wringing over that uh, really drove me up a wall. Um, but and here again, yet again, they try to make something out of nothing. But also, I think it underscores the point people on the left tried to make when it first happened, right? And that was. Joe Rogan, someone who's not really married to any political party. He's not firmly in either camp. You know, probably, he's probably, he just strikes me as like a libertarian, independent guy who has like weird, a weird combination of views. He's saying, yeah, I like Bernie. He's consistent. Yeah. I'll probably vote for him. Fleeting comment. People then tried to take that and be like, Bernie supports transphobia because something that Joe Rogan said on a completely different episode, like fuck off forever. Like that's Bernie has never compromised on anything to get that comment from from joe rogan but here on this one <laughs> rogan saying yeah since it's not bernie i'm not probably not going to vote for biden and he's he'd probably vote for trump that real that represents the argument that people were making in defense of bernie in the first in the first place which was that bernie was going to be the best candidate suited to win over independent voters because there are a huge proportion of americans that 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 are disillusioned with the entire system they don't they don't really believe in either party. They don't think either party represents their their interests and they think both parties are corrupt. And Bernie was a break from that mold in somewhat of a, a, a similar way to Trump. Trump was an outsider, but blatantly and brazenly corrupt and profoundly inept. And a lot of people saw through that. But to some people who weren't as politically in tune, just saw him as an outsider and that represented change to them. Bernie could have been a similar, more responsible alternative to Trump on that front but Democrats did not want to listen to the independent argument in defense of Bernie. And now here is a perfect, it's being laid bare in front of them and they cannot handle it. They want to go back to some, some random comment that Rogan said on a completely other episode, like years ago and say, Oh yeah, this is what Bernie believes. Bernie, Bernie threw trans people under the bus. No, he didn't. He never has. And he never will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what we were. Well, that's what everyone was pointing out when this first round of like really toxic, awful discourse came around, which is that it's not like Bernie was like catering his views to try to appeal to someone with more aggressive social views like Joe Rogan. He did nothing of the sort. He was right. only showing how he was appealing to someone like Rogan, who I think represents a broad coalition of of Americans with his with his really large audience 
who aren't really totally involved in politics and and have a really wide variety of views, uh, showing how Bernie could potentially appeal to people like that is a really positive thing. And also, it's worth pointing out that the strategy of the Democratic Party for literally the last 40 years, including right now, is to appeal to conservatives, to to appeal to like disaffected Republicans (laughs) and people that are conservative, including people that have like reactionary social views, including people that have reactionary views on abortion. Uh, All that is always on the table when it comes to trying to appeal to these kind of like suburban uh, SUV driving uh, jet ski dealership uh, owners. But we know then when when someone with possibly more aggressive social views or more conservative leanings expresses support for Bernie, then it's like this this crazy crisis that we've got to we've got to all uh, spend the next uh, you know an entire news cycle uh, pretending to be outraged about. It's just like we were talking about with our, our conversation with David Roth uh, last in the last episode. I just want to ask these people sometimes, like, are you real? You don't really care about this, do you? Like, you're not you're not actually mad about this, really. And uh, I don't think they are a lot of the time. But I guess that's what. That's what liberals have kind of – that's all they really have to offer at this moment is just this kind of like performative outrage and hand-wringing and calling the refs about uh, about civility. And uh, s- seeing as this is the strategy that is proven to lose to Donald Trump, it's, it's fucking painful to see these people embrace all this exact same stuff and uh, imagining that it's going to be – make the same – have the same kind of an impact on the election – you know, mm-hmm. talking about how Trump's boorish or not civil or how he's mean. Um, I don't think this is going to really work out too well for them. But, you know, maybe right. they're, they're the experts, I guess. So maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> well, to, I mean, to your point about them not caring, there's there's proof, you know. So we look at the Neera Tandon tweet from today where she talked about how um, in, in regards to this Joe Rogan thing, uh, Bernie and his supporters uh, through trans people, uh, you sold out trans people. Folks will remember. Well, the, the argument or the frustration and the outrage over Joe Reagan's trans comments revolve around a, um, a a a trans fighter in mixed martial arts um, that some people felt, he included, felt was not safe because it was a a male to female transition, uh, and people did not know and. He was worried about the safety of the female fighters, the cis female fighters in the UFC. I'm not touching that argument. I don't, I don't, I'm not getting involved. But think about what Hillary Clinton herself has said about trans people, that trans people and the acceptance of them, it represents a legitimate concern for cis women. How is that any different than what Joe Rogan said? And the thing is, no one, no one like the Neera Tandon types Nobody raised any red flags over it. So again, it's it's never about uh, actual outrage. They want to use this as a, as a as an opportunity to smear Sanders in his campaign. And the thing is, Sanders didn't even say it. Hillary herself said it, and they turned a blind eye to it. Yeah, and again, uh, as has been talked about many times, and apparently doesn't seem to matter to anybody, uh, Bernie Sanders was supporting LGBTQ rights in the 1980s. When it was completely a non-starter for both parties, including trans people, he, there's articles in the uh, local newspapers from the 80s about how he turned uh, Burlington into a a like mecca for trans people. Uh, this is always something that he supported, and and it was really gross. It's really I find it disgusting the way that kind of like elite Democrats use these marginalized people like trans people or uh, people of color or immigrants as like a shield basically to uh, punch left as they've done repeatedly throughout this election cycle, while just completely ignoring their own complicity uh, in the oppression of all these groups. Uh, it's really disingenuous. Uh, it sucks. And just in general, the discourse has been really fucking terrible. <laughs> and it seems like it's getting a lot worse. We're dealing with this like unprecedented crisis. Uh, and instead of you know doing anything productive with their time or, or pushing the, the Joe Biden or the arrest of the Democratic leadership to do anything productive... Uh, all they're doing is having these goddamn tantrums about about useless bullshit like Joe Rogan or about Brianna Joy Gray, you know, being mean to Kamala Harris, uh, making up these controversies and, and pretending to be mad about it. The libs are not okay. The libs are not doing well. Right. <laughs> but so, I think okay. we should drop this now. We did talk <laughs> about this a little bit also with the uh, the District Sentinel boys, and I can't talk about the Joe Rogan discourse much more or else my brain's going to melt and, and drizzle out of my nose because it's just really uh, – <laughs> It physically painful for me to to think about and talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Before we get to the District Sentinel boys, I'd just like to remind uh, you, the listener, to please subscribe over at uh, theinsurgents.substack.com. If you're able to, in this really precarious moment, make a monthly contribution, you can do that there, which is $5 per month or $55 annually. You're going to have access to the the Discord server, which is really cool. Uh, and you're going to have access to uh, future bonus content, um, which we're still kind of in the process of figuring out what that's going to look like. But that is where you do it, theinsurgents.substack.com. What else do we have to plug? Uh, leave us a voicemail. <laughs> we have been inundated with voicemails, uh, and we'll play some more in the next episode. Yes. But they're hilarious, and we love them. So please keep them coming. You can leave us a voicemail at two zero two five seven zero four six three nine. Put that number in the show notes as well, so you could check that out. Give us a call, uh, make us laugh, and we'll play it on the show. Yeah, you can also ask us serious uh, questions about politics and the news. Oh, and stuff. yeah, that too. I was listening. <laughs> I was listening back to our last episode, and I was like, I don't know. I think I've been inside for too long. I don't think normally I would be going on, you know, a three minute bits about intactivism, but I mean, I guess <laughs> that's what, that's the, what the quarantine lifestyle leads to. Yeah. Um, exactly. And it also just is a very important political issue that I, I'm passionate about. So <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, let's get to the interview with the two Sams. Um, I think you're going to really enjoy it, folks. So stay tuned for that. They're going to be joining the program right after this. I mean, the main thing that I want to know from you guys definitely is what are you going to spend those sweet sweet trump bucks on everyone's going to be taken care of with this you're all going to have enough to survive the sort of the economic collapse you got your 1200 bucks what are you going to buy like a put a down payment on like a some kind of a car or what are you what are you thinking what are you going to spend this trump bucks what are you going to spend your trump bucks on well uh normally i use a lot of my Spendable income on gambling, but since there's no sports going on right now, yeah, I'm going to short the market. Yeah, <laughs> it's especially Same especially shit. because we can't gamble right now. We got to gamble. It's either it's either Belarusian soccer or the stock market. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that that's right. Um, but uh, I don't know. I've got a lot of bills that I still need to pay, and that I'll yeah. probably put toward that and some debt I need to pay off. But uh, I'll end up probably spending most of it on on video games and weed. You know, I will say, though, if you want to fill that that void left by uh, sports and, and gambling, you could always gamble on Madden simulations that FanDuel mm. is doing. <laughs> yeah. Or like Sam Knight was saying, just just get just start betting on the whole system to collapse at some point. When is it going to happen? The over under on when it's going to happen, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I actually tune in to. One of those basketball simulations the other day, watching the Wizards. I hadn't yeah, seen it bizarre. yet. I yeah, I, like I could get into kind of just watching the simulation. What I was surprised to see is the post game analysis afterward. Or <laughs> real life sports reporters discussing like how the Wizards really came on in the second half and how like Davis Bertans wasn't putting up enough shots in the game. It's <laughs> These are all simulations, guys. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Well, these That's guys got to have something to do. I, I, just, I need sports. Yeah. Did you see there was like a, why, why there was a story? Play? Why, why not let the sports guys play the video games? Because then you could have all the, the commentators gaming. That's what they and, just did. The, the NBA They did that with the that. NBA. Last night there was like an NBA tournament of, of actual NBA players playing 2K or whatever yeah. with each other. Okay. Because cause, – what Sam was describing, it sounded like I think the lo- the local NBC sports here has been like simulating um, Wizards <laughs> and Caps games, and it, it it sounds like they just ran the simulation and were just like doing their post game analysis, being like, "Well, here's what you know." <laughs> they yeah, they, they were doing that. Yes, that's incredible. That's yeah. wild. Yeah, I heard actually that ESPN was planning to do a thing with all these different basketball players that are going to like play horse. They're going to do televised <laughs> horse from their own, like individual oh, locations. It's that so sad. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> this is just it's so pathetic. Like just run <laughs> run classic games. Run run like all like the stuff in the archives. Like this just like the 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 efforts to uh try to fill the void with new stuff. I I sure. I points for creativity. But like come on. It is so sad when you're doing like horse by Skype. Come on. <laughs> yeah. It's also WrestleMania weekend. We got all the the extravagance of WrestleMania taking place just in like the WWE Performance Center with no audience. It's fucking Wait, bizarre. What happened? Did did uh did Gronkowski win the title? <laughs> I don't know. Is I think he he's a wrestler hosting. now? He's hosting. I, I, don't know. He, I think he signed uh, with WWE and he's like hosting WrestleMania. All right. I don't know anything about it. I've just been talking with Street Fight Street Fight Brian about it and he told me that he placed a bet at like six to one odds that Gronkowski was going to end up winning the title somehow during WrestleMania. <laughs> I think it's I mean, a two part. Well like money on it. tonight, right? Stranger. Yeah, exactly. Stranger like things have happened. Odds. Yeah. Anyway, welcome back to post-apocalyptic sports chat. Um, this is what the show is now <laughs> turning into. We had a good segment on with David Roth uh, last episode. And now we're here with the district Sentinel boys, Sam Sachs and Sam Knight, the two Sams. Thanks for coming yeah. on the show. guys. Thank you. Uh, before we move on from post-apocalyptic sports chat, does anyone remember '90s ESPN when uh, when billiards was big? Oh, yeah. I think I think it's time we bring that back. I mean, I think you can do billiards and darts while still practicing social distancing, assuming there's no audience. And yeah, yep, okay. uh, it's time it's time for the uh, it's it's time for the nerd games to shine here. Or the, the I don't know if they're nerd games or just guys who. Hang out in bars all day, games. Uh, you know, you know, kind you of a mixture too. You could do poker too, like even if you did that remote. Like my uh, my poker group that I'm in here in DC, we they've switched to uh, all digital games through Zoom. Um, you could pretty easily probably just simulate or just do poker remote, harkening yeah. back to like the the mid 2000s. Like that was that shit was on like every night. I'm surprised they haven't d- rolled that out yet with all the yeah. big players just playing online. Yeah. Well, they're all kind of figuring this out on the fly, right? Yeah, true. I don't think anyone was no, planning. I did see. I did see Trump is doing. Yeah, we're about to here we go. Talk about a Scrabble, baby. Yeah, you heard it here first. That's good. I did see Trump did like a press conference um, the other day where he's like, "We've got to have sports, folks. The sports. It's missing. These leagues are not designed to not play." So we'll see what comes of that. Yeah, he had a conference call, right, with all of them. Yeah, he was talking to like David Silver and all the sports uh, oh, yeah. GMs and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, weird. Weird How, stuff. Oh man, I don't I don't even want to think about it. I and I know you just did this in your last episode with with David J Roth. Uh yeah, it 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 I, I miss sports. <laughs> yeah, well you can tell we're all missing sports because it's now just like we're gravitating to starting to talk about it. You, you really like we, you know we mentioned it too. last time. You you don't realize how it's like filling in these gaps in your life until it's not there. Then it's like, oh, what do I have to do? No, it's just that's just gone. Esports, baby. You could do you could yep. game. You could watch Twitch. That's it. Esports are are, are rising. <laughs> oh boy. So what do you what do you think, guys? Like aside of all the sports stuff, how are you both um, coping with the uh, the self isolation and the social distancing and the pandemic and the apocalypse? How are you uh, dealing with all that stuff? Are you hanging in there? Is it bad? Good? How are you feeling? You want to go first, or uh, should I should I take a crack at this? You can go ahead, Sam. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I feel like I'm dealing I'm dealing with it pretty well, and um, you know, it, it's obviously hard, but I'm 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 coping pretty well to the point where I feel bad talking about it because I know. It's it's really fucking rough out there for a lot of people. For me personally, it's it's not so bad, but um, yeah, it it is a grim it is grim overall. Like to think yeah. about the situation. Uh, me personally, I'm fine. I mean, I will know in two weeks from now if I fucked up at the supermarket today. And other other than that, sort of Damocles sort of hanging over my head. Uh, you know, I I can't really complain. Did you wear a mask? Yeah, I just did a whole like six hour grocery process yesterday because now we have to like in disinfect everything that comes into the house. And after all this time, after all that whole period and going to the store and my like apocalypse outfit and everything, we brought and I realized I forgot eggs and cream and cream wow. for coffee as well. So 
bad that's not not good on my part we out here with this like eggs are like 90 percent of like what we eat here too so it wasn't wasn't the best move now i can't go back for like two weeks <laughs> that sucks the, the thing about the the grocery store like well between the uh, the the dynamic between a delivery service delivery services and the workers going on strike and the need to respect that and also of the services the few that remain that uh, are not um being completely inundated and sold out that puts people uh, in a risk of going to the store and one thing i do want to point out is if you do have that luxury obviously it's a tough thing to to balance but people who are on wick or any sort of supplemental nutritional assistance program can't even use those to begin with so they by default they have to go to the store to get groceries so it's like it's this really complex dynamic because now health professionals are warning going to the store right now puts you at a great risk but the people who are on the front lines of that and carrying the greatest burden are people on you know low incomes with supplemental nutritious uh, nutrition programs that can't use services like instacart or amazon prime or whatever for groceries so it's like a really tricky dynamic and it's like it's something I, I think we have no clear solution to on how to both respect workers rights and also make sure people are safe yeah that's a that's a good point jordan and and also if if people aren't going to the grocery store they still need to eat food, which means they're getting Instacart people uh, who we know aren't properly taken care of either. Right. Yep. Ultimately, I mean, to say that we should have a sort of wartime effort is not, I don't think, uh, hyperbolic. And especially with so many people out of work right now, I mean, we really like honest, like we should be assembling rations and like having delivery teams and having trying to discourage people from going to the supermarket you know yeah and i mean it 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 seems like and i'm obviously preaching in the choir here but what a absolute failure of capitalism um that we that we can't get to that situation yeah, yeah. and we're also i noticed we're also doing the thing the kind of like post 911 thing where we're valorizing like nurses and and medical workers and and grocery store workers and you know we're like clapping for them and doing that but it's like hey maybe we should like treat these people better and give them better salaries and benefits and make sure where they're like you know make sure they have the equipment they need to not die and then it's like well no let's not go that far we can clap we can we can do that but that's the that's the extent that we can show our thanks to these people that are like dealing on the front lines of this this crisis and basically keeping our society still functioning and running but it's like, no, we can clap, but no, no, no extra, no higher minimum wage for you, grocery store workers. Yeah. Trying to return to normal and the status quo, which is something I know you and I have talked about, Rob, and with a few other folks, but like, I'm sure the, the Sams are thinking about it as well. I mean, what do you think this dynamic is going to be like after this is all said and done? What do you think people are going to do in this effort to probably from the political establishment of both parties, I would imagine uh, an effort to just return to normal, like just to go back to where workers are paid like seven dollars federal minimum wage, um, no protections, just back to being second class citizens or worse, uh, just the subhuman treatment for for blue collar folks. What do you think? um, I don't know. What do you think a dynamic is going to be like and how could people kind of push back against it? I think that's like the... (laughs) You know, the the main question coming out of this is kind of, I mean, this is a crisis and certainly lots of people are going to try to exploit this crisis to their ends. Um, and well, I, the right's already doing it. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. And, and I don't say that in a negative way because the left needs to exploit it as well. So I think I think a real interesting question, because I, I don't know how it's going to end up, uh, you know, m- my more pessimistic uh days, I'll, I'll say that we're probably going to end up in a much worse state out of this where you have lots of businesses failing and major corporations end up even more consolidated and people lose even more rights in the workplace. And it's, you know, becomes even more of a hell world. But uh, maybe, you know, maybe we can turn it, flip it as well. Maybe we can implement Sam Knight's idea of a uh, general strike where everybody stays home that he can pitch in a little bit. But uh, <laughs> I think a, a more interesting question is like, you know, kind of as as you were getting at uh, Rob about like or, or Jordan, I'm not sure which one of you just brought this point up about like, you know, this clearly shows that our economy could use some more planning. Um, and yes, uh, <laughs> that like they're going to be our policymakers are going to be forced into plan. I mean, 
Trump is already starting to play with the Defense Production Act, at least threatening it. But as this continues and as the as 40 million people go un, unemployed and uninsured, uh, they're going to have no other choice but to implement a lot of this centrally planned mechanisms or not. I mean, or they'll just let this go into full-blown Great Depression and people will have uh, tent cities in front of the White House and the Capitol again. But Yeah, and uh, just let Bezos like buy everything up and just complete his monopoly over like every facet of our economy. Yeah, but but assuming that, you know, people realize that like this is the only way to keep the social fabric together is to do these things, like how many of those things become holdovers into whatever new era we we enter like if we implement some sort of universal basic income to address the fact that 40 million people are unemployed and the economy is completely frozen how long does that last afterward yeah i think that um and and uh i think what's really daunting to think about is how do we uh sort of apply pressure economically on the system, and this is this is really what the left needs to figure out because uh, electoral politics. Uh, I don't know if you've been paying attention recently, but it, it hasn't it's not going so good. Not going so well, and <laughs> it it it's a shame um, because it would it would be easier to do union organizing if a guy like Bernie Sanders won, um, but. It, it, we're just going to have to assume the worst, I think, for now. And it, it's also especially daunting because, like, the left has been struggling with this for a very long time. In that, the the traditional form of applying pressure was through labor action, but since the sort of like peak, the pinnacle of labor power, uh, you know, I guess people argue about when it was, I guess, want to say like the 1950s, roughly, if, if we're talking about strike action insofar as that's concerned. But like since then, the right has figured out and to their credit, they've, they've done it rather competently, which is to just sort of figure out how to uh, diminish the power of, of labor in the economy. And uh, w- w- like, you know, we're kind of we're kind of fucked right now in terms of everyone being misclassified as a contractor in terms of all the, the rollbacks of, of, of um, rights at the workplace through Taft-Hartley and things like that. And we need to figure out ways to exert collective pressure that might not look like what, what folks in, in the late 19th century and early 20th century were doing because the economy looked very different then. And I think we, we need to uh, like, we're, and we need to sort of figure that out. And Sam sort of mentioned this earlier, which is a sort of half-baked dumbass idea by me, uh, which is that, you know, instead of a, a general strike, we do a general like everyone stays stays the fuck home. And, you know, <laughs> we, we've seen what like what this is doing to the economy when people are staying yeah. home. It's the economy is absolutely fucked right now. And yeah, this is something that I've been kind of talking about a lot too. It's like, I feel like people that even aren't plugged into, you know, like the history of, of labor organizing and, and aren't part of these conversations, like they're internalizing on some level. Hey, it turns out when none of us go to our jobs, the economy completely grinds to a halt, almost as if we're the ones that have power over the economy and not the CEOs and the politicians and the, the, the elites and the cap, the people that the capitalists, the people that own the means of production. It's actually us that, that controls all that stuff. Hmm. I wonder if maybe we could use that power to, you know, demand stuff and ask them, you know, demand that we start having our basic needs met more and more than they have been. And, and imagine like if, imagine in like an industry, like, uh, say retail or the restaurant industry where so many jobs are expendable. If, if so many workers got together and like pooled their money and were like, Hey, let's just like fucking walk off our jobs for a month. Let, let's all just try to chill out, you know, tighten our belts, whatever. And then after the month, we'll, we'll come back and, and wages will be up because everyone will be so desperate to get people uh, to come to work. I mean, I guess the problem is, is like, actually talking that through it seems it seems like it would be it'd be very hard to uh to, to deal with scabs you know yeah might, well might i have, saw boots riley pointing that out might too to, might have to parody redacted 
<laughs> I saw Boots Riley talking about that too. It's like the, it's cool that we're all kind of doing this general strike by accident right now, but really you need people on a picket outside the workplace to make sure that there's no scabs and there's no people breaking the strike and, and benefiting from it. Yeah, part part of my fear um, after this after this all ends, right? And we 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 see this now as someone has pointed. Uh, I can't remember who who tweeted it, but it was like, wow, really funny how all those unskilled jobs became essential labor really quick. And, um, you know, the kind of just the mask has, has been yanked off and now everyone sees like, this is what is really the driving force. But, but to Sam's point, this, the, how we've transitioned away from peak, like labor organizing, which, you know, could be the fifties. Part of that's also just a shift away from the manufacturing economy toward a service. And now this like information economy where it's basically just like driven on all these like tech startups that are just buying and selling your information for targeting targeted advertisement and all this yeah. shit. And it's just I, like- think, I mean, that I, that's part of the, um, I, I think that's, that's, I, 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 that's pretty deliberate. I mean, I maybe deliberate's the wrong word, but that is like a, a natural progression of capitalism where you're trying to maximize your profit, you go to you go to service industry for a number of reasons, and I think one of them is it's it it's easier to sort of like keep workers segregated and keep them um, you know very atomized and and siloed and things like that. Yeah, like the division of labor. Um, That's right. This, this um, yeah, I I, I I've been th- I mentioned this on the last episode, but I've just been thinking about it a lot. And how uh, the oil crisis in the '70s motivated uh, research and development uh, in green and alternative energy sources. But as soon as it was over, everyone just reverted back to normal. And I'm really worried that after this, everyone's going to be so relieved they can return to their normal life that they're just going to like just forget about everything that's like in front of our faces right now, and just be like, "All right, everything's fine again," and just just move on. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer, but I just like we really need to find a way to harness this energy and this frustration um, and channel it towards something better. It's kind of messed up that no one knows what society is going to look like three months from now. Yeah, <laughs> it's so bizarre. Yeah, it's, it's just it's, uh, I've not, I will not ever be used to it. It's like you. It's exciting being in this time when you can kind of feel the the wheels of history turning. Obviously, our our economy and the way it's been run for the last forty years is now on the verge of shifting into something else. Like you pointed out, Sam Knight, like that could shift into something far worse, like some something resembling the status quo, maybe on steroids. Um, there's also a possibility that like even these right-wing freaks are starting to figure out that we need to have more of a safety net and that because of this transition, we need to do like that we need to make these changes. Um, like I saw in, in the UK, uh, the, the Boris Johnson government has been kind of leaning in that direction, even though they've that's been... The, the conservatives in the UK have been like the standard bearers for neoliberalism for the last 40 years. They're realizing it. Like I saw an article in the business uh, financial times, I think talking about how we need to have UBI and things like this. This is the really remarkable thing about how, how quickly this has shifted and that, and that um, even some conservatives that have been obsessed with, with austerity and tax cuts for, for generations are starting to realize like, Oh, we need to actually change this now. And it's just that could go in so many different directions. It's impossible to to really predict what's going to happen. Also, shout out to uh, shout out to friend of the show Boris Johnson, um, <laughs> admitted to the hospital today with with his coronavirus symptoms. Uh, Boris, we love you. We're pulling for you. Don't give up. Keep fighting. We yeah. need you out there, buddy. Prayer, so prayers shout, up, um, gang. Prayers yeah, up. Prayers prayers up for Boris. Well, you got you got to admire <laughs> Boris, I guess, for leading from the front because for weeks now yeah. he's. His his idiot government has been talking about herd immunity, uh, which, yeah. as as far as I understand it, is, is normally achieved through vaccination, not through <laughs> exposing your entire population to a disease <laughs> with no known cure. And you know, it harkens back to the World War One days when you had uh, like like posh uh, British, yeah. you know, whatever going over the top and the, the officer class died. Uh, a lot of them died with, with, with the privates and, and the rank and file. And so lead by example. Yeah. But Bojo is, is he's doing that. Who's the last British King to lead troops into battle? Was it like George the fourth or something? I don't know, but I do know, not know. <laughs> props to him for, for refusing to shake hands uh, when everyone was telling him to. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. I hope they give him the <laughs> ventilator very soon. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, back to, I guess, the Financial Times and uh, the, the, you know, market press going uh, full democratic socialism now. Like, you, you wonder if this is driven strictly out of, out of fear that, that, that their uh, position in this system that they've constructed is in danger or like... Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I guess it is a fear, but you, but like once, once it's solved and the, the threat is subsided, it's right back to normal. Or like if there's going to be some slight tweaking in how they like the laugh. Okay. For example, the laugher curve is obviously bullshit, but people believe in it on the right. And I think we're seeing a lot of economic truths just completely fall by the wayside. And a lot of people who've been writing economic papers on the right for the last few decades, it's going to be hard for them to continue writing a lot of these economic theories moving forward, but they probably will still try to write them. I mean, to a certain extent, that should have happened after 2008. But I mean, the right just seems to sort of tweak its ideas like a little bit. Let's just dial down the libertarianism and dial up the racism and, I mean, uh, and they think it, it, it can produce like an outcome that reduces inequality. Yeah. And fortunately for them too, they had a democratic president in Obama take over at that time and, and salvage all these institutions for them. They didn't even have to do anything and slapped a nice bandaid on it and gave it a nice kind of PR shine and kind of got the system up and running again for, for another decade. And uh, so the conservatives were kind of lucky. They, as much as they hated Obama and they railed against him constantly, he saved their asses. He saved all these institutions, uh, and then you know po- politely handed things over to the psychotic game show host that's the president now. I, th- I think, I think thanks, Obama. I, I think this is one of the the big critiques of of, of social democ- yeah, of social democrats, and uh, for lack of a better term, some of some of the more. Uh, I don't know if I never mind. I don't want to get too sectarian, but anyway, <laughs> the, the the point is is that like this dynamic is not really new of the right sort of adopting aspects of the welfare state and of of, of social democracy when they want to and when they think it can preserve overall capitalism in a system based on labor exploitation and all the rest and you know like. We went through this after the Great Depression and uh, countries and, and the industrialized world started making concessions to their people and <clears throat> sort of the ruling class bided their time. And a few decades later, you, you saw a, a reaction to it and, and the rise of people like Ronald Reagan. But quite frankly, even before Reagan, um, things started going to the right, uh, like the consensus as it as it were started yeah. moving right in a way and like this is part of like what happens like why social uh democracy doesn't really work is because when you do these half measures and you leave people in power you leave uh capital ultimately in charge like it's going to come back and it's going to fucking uh fuck your shit up and and ruin whatever welfare state you built over the last few decades and so yeah. you know um I, 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 that's where I think that, uh, that, that's, that's why I think that the right will be able to adopt these programs with, with the view of sort of jettisoning them as soon as possible, as soon as politically convenient. And like, to a certain extent, I think people on the left can pat themselves on the back and say like, this wouldn't be happening if we didn't, if we didn't restore the fear of God in them and people like Jeremy Corbyn and, and, and Bernie Sanders, they would never be doing this. Yeah. Um, but for that, um, but by the same token, here we are again, stuck in this long-term historical pattern of trying to win over a few concessions and then being incapable of defending them. I like to think of the thought experiment of if if president if obama was the president would the stimulus the coronavirus relief package that congress passed be worse than the one that they ultimately passed this time uh because like i think republicans with in power with trump in power were willing to move and obviously the 
the package that they passed as horseshit and completely insufficient. But so was the stimulus package in 2008 with uh, or 2009 when it was passed with Obama in powers like 800 billion. Uh, a lot of it was tax cuts. A lot of it was aid to states. And then the rest of it was uh, some infrastructure projects. I mean, here you pretty much have that amount of money that went just to the $1,200 checks in the stimulus package. Plus, on top of that, you had the unemployment benefits and then a whole load of trillions of shit. But I have a feeling that it'd be even worse if Obama was president, because while the the while there is a motivation to you know preserve the market, there was there's also a, a motivation to gain power uh, at the same time. To hell well, with yeah, them. and and also another thing to point out as well is that you know in the in '08 when so many millions of people had lost their homes. There right. wasn't really an effort to to bail out those people, like in the same way that the yeah. banks were bailed out. And as we're seeing now, as people can't pay their mortgages, and it turns out that the government does have power to just be like, hey, okay, no more mortgages for now. And you can just take steps unilaterally to like protect people in that circumstance. And it seems like, well, why didn't that fucking happen in, in 08? There's yeah. a whole generation of people that lost their homes in that time, and the government did nothing for them, except gave yeah. them like a, a Mitt Romney care. Yeah, neither party uh, is obviously willing to uh, give direct help to working people and homeowners who need it. I mean, even now, uh, aside from the $1,200 in the unemployment, a lot of the money is being funneled through small businesses and corporations that we hope will then go uh, and filter down toward workers. In a lot of cases, it probably won't. Um, but I, I think it's it's there is something uh, death cultish about the right in the sense that if they weren't in power uh, like they are now, but had you know power of the Senate, that they would probably be squeezing this even harder than they are right now, which is probably harder to believe, but that it could get worse. Well, I, it most certainly there, could. I did see, yeah. And that's another thing we've been talking about a lot recently since this started, this whole crisis, is like, are the Democrats, um, is the Democratic Party going to get outflanked economically by the Republican Party, it seemed at first like that was kind of happening, uh, you know, with Trump floating the idea of like thousand dollar monthly checks, and Democrats kind of pushing again back against it. Then it kind of like receded as the sort of uh, Republicans' natural inclination towards like austerity and punishing working people kind of took over. But now it's coming into another situation again where Trump is talking about um, making people get have healthcare for free and have the government finance people's healthcare. Um, throughout this crisis. And meanwhile, at the same time, you have the Democratic Party have just spent every resource at their disposal over the last like year to ensure that their candidate does not stand for anything remotely like that. Um, and that's that's not a great, that's not only really a great uh, uh, combination when it comes to this election. Uh, if you have Donald Trump and the Republicans running on, uh, we're going to pay for your health care versus like, uh, you know, Joe Biden and the Democratic Party. I mean, just the whole the whole argument that Biden's been making over the last year about Medicare for all, about how people like their like their uh, their employer sponsored healthcare, and that was like the go to argument, and now that's just been completely thrown out the window. And there's like no inclination that they're going to change their strategy or change their 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 thinking, like in response to this huge crisis. They're like it just seems like they're heading towards a fucking disaster. Yeah, one of many reasons, right? <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that right now their their entire strategy is basically uh, the, the exact fucking same strategy that failed them in 2016, yep. which is like call him dangerous Donald, even if you're not <laughs> even if you're not using that exact uh, that exact term anymore. He's not one of the real billionaires, the good billionaires. Yeah, that right. We like. And who knows? I mean, maybe maybe it'll stick actually in the middle of a pandemic. If it doesn't stick now, uh, it won't ever stick. And I mean, it's their also it's their last chance for it to stick. Um, it's even I worse mean, than the dangerous Donald stuff because Biden isn't isn't even campaigning against Trump at this point. He's like yeah. trying to set up conference calls and work together and pray for him and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, tr and Trump's just like just dunking on him in press conferences. Like, oh yeah, that's who he's that's who he's caving to. Like, what, yeah, we do you want to do you want to mention that press conference today? What what Trump said? The one where yeah, someone was like, uh, 
Biden just attacked you via tweet and Trump just like just ignored. He's like, he didn't type that. That was like a staffer. And it's like, yeah, it is because Biden like is just letting it's just on autopilot. He's being propped up for these these little like videos. And then he's got like the the, like the seedy little D.C. establishment consultants doing everything and pulling all the strings. It's like a little like marionette show. Trump is just like and Trump says that and it's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, if, if Joe's watching, he doesn't even understand what's going on. It's like, exactly. <laughs> it's like, this is what God we've been damn. saying all along is that they're going to exploit this issue that Joe Biden doesn't know where he is once the general starts and Trump <laughs> right. is laying it out there right there. Yeah, they 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 they. they admonish us for pointing it out like how dare you that's whatever like you know trotting out all their their, their go-to uh defenses like oh that's ableist that's offensive you shouldn't speculate it's irresponsible it's like you don't think donald trump would do the exact same thing but to like a, a greater extent like we're trying to be mindful and concerned here because we want to win because we don't want him to be the fucking president again but you ignored us beat us back and then just assumed trump was going to play nice yeah like, we don't been- think it's going to get worse We've been very careful. Trump is going to be rolling out doctors to diagnose Joe Biden with all sorts of shit once the election right. starts. Oh, right. shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, <laughs> at this point, he at this point, though, and and the scary thing is in 2016, it was basically all him because no one, not, not even Republicans thought he was going to win. So like people sort of presumed it would be toxic for their career. And now everyone, now everyone on Team GOP wants to play ball. So he probably won't even need to do it. It'll just be like fifteen different dark money yeah. groups doing it. And uh, yeah, it's 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 gonna be. It, it, yeah, Biden. I see. I waffle. I, I waffle between two different types of cynicism, which is one that Biden is a fucking idiot and he's gonna lose and he's peaking now. Um, I mean, that's not so much cynicism. I think that that's more of a sober-minded take. But anyway, the other the other thing I also uh, struggle with is that I feel like at this point a dead a dead dog might be able to beat Trump. Like, and I I don't know. I mean, if anyone can blow it, it's it's Joe Biden and the Democratic Party. And uh, like, I I do want the party to die. I, it, it's hard for me to 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 say that harm minimization looks like supporting Joe Biden. Uh, like when 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 you look at his proposed can uh, his proposed cabinet, like fucking Jamie Dimon, Jamie Dimon. For, yeah, for Treasury Secretary. I, I I think at this point it would be like, well, you know, maybe we should just sort of abandon presidential politics this time around and and wait till we can actually do some harm minimization here. Um, but yeah, well, I, I mean, there's 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 a number of ways that I think. Like this is the the shitty thing about the two party system in the United States is that there are a number of ways that the Democrats would be marginally better on a certain issues, but even with Biden, it's hard to make that case in some kinds. Like like right. the whole kids in cages thing, which is very like Donald Trump and the Republican Party definitely have ramped up the cruelty on the southern border and like intentionally made that much worse. But it's like, why do you think Latinos were organizing before Bernie Sanders? And why, like, are these communities going to vote for Biden when he oversaw the, the, largest, the, 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 the highest number of deportations in American history? Not, yeah, yeah, the highest number of deportations. And President Obama's uh, DHS secretary at the time, Jay Johnson, was saying when kids were showing up at the border unaccompanied that we have to deter them from coming. And that yeah. is like at its heart, like obviously they weren't they weren't doing like family separation to, to the to the as Rob, you were saying, like they ramped up the cruelty. But the, there was a pretty high base level of cruelty already there implemented by people like fucking Joe Biden. Yeah. And like talking about separating families, like it's not the same policy of family separation on the border. But when you deport however many million people. I mean, yeah. that's not separating families like because yeah, yeah, like, yeah. these guys would have I'm sure these people would have us believe that every single person that would that was being deported under the Obama uh, administration was like an MS-13 member. But that's not true. It's fucking like undocumented people that have parking tickets or got caught with a dime bag one time. That's not separating families. That's not splitting families apart. Of course it is. Yeah. When I worked at UDC Law, um, we were organizing on that effort in like 2015. 
2015 and there were people just in the community that were like oh like you shouldn't push back you know they're doing it because they need to keep the country safe and i'm sure all these same people uh in 2017 are like how dare you this is barbaric it's like where were you when we were going down there and helping races in texas with with like legal support before you even knew what this fucking group was it's just like for so for so many people it's like public posturing and makes them feel good you know the sjw types but it's like we were out we were out there years ago on this issue where were you like we could we could have used your help getting this shut down before trump but everyone just you know turned a blind eye to it well and that's how vacant their their liberals kind of ideology is too is that these things aren't bad as long as there's someone with a d next to their name doing it and if that if they have the d next to their name then we don't complain then it only helps the republicans to complain about it uh, but as soon as the guy is doing the exact same thing, but he's got a different letter next to his name, then it's time to have a, you know, a, a treat this like a, an actual crisis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember watching uh, uh, our covering in 2014, I think it was um, undocumented families and uh, or maybe not families, but undocumented activists uh engaging in civil, civil disobedience in front of the White House, chaining themselves to the fence, getting arrested, all that stuff. Um Maybe not chaining themselves, but anyway, they got arrested, civil disobedience, et cetera. And I'm sure if like nine out of 10 liberals at the time, like would have seen that, they probably would have said something like, oh, would they would have rather had Mitt Romney win or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like right. these, these people are just such fucking goldfish brain dipshits, like treating treating politics like you're watching your 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 college basketball team on ESPN <laughs> two or whatever. Well, uh, I'm still not convinced that Joe Biden is is ultimately going to be the guy who's running against Trump, and not because I think Bernie's still going to win the primary, just because I think that the the party is well aware of the stuff that we're all aware of, and they're pretending it doesn't exist until Bernie's out of the picture. Because um, yeah, which is exactly why he needs to stay in the race. Yeah, yeah, I think he he should stay in as long as you know. I mean, I, personally, I think he should stay in until November. But uh, you know, I, we all know he's going to end up playing ball, and it's going to be a pretty uh, shitty couple months yeah, watching him suck. stump for for Joe Biden. Um, well, but- that's the that's the funny thing too, like how when Bernie was the front runner and it was looking like he had a clear path to get to the. Democratic convention with the plurality of delegates, every single liberal and every single other uh, like uh, person in the campaign was like, no, we're, we were not, we will not quit uh, until the convention. Like that was like established. That was what their plan was. Uh, and as soon, as soon as it's the opposite, uh, the shoe is on the other foot. Then they're like, it's like some kind of disgrace that Bernie won't just like leave and let them, <laughs> let them have their little uh, victory there. Um, I'm not sure these people believe in all that much. Sometimes it seems like it kind of changes depending on the situation. But uh, <laughs> can't get the I kind of get the impression sometimes. Well, they're interested in power, you know, and yeah, yeah. it's it was about denying Bernie Sanders and preserving power. And unfortunately, I don't think that Bernie Sanders is nearly as cutthroat as they are. No, yeah, that's the thing. We talked about that in the show before. It's like it's ultimately that he's just like too nice of a guy. Uh, you know, people really wanted him to go like just scorched earth in the last debate. And just like, that's just not really who he is. He's and he gets accused do of doing it anyways, though. That's the really yeah. frustrating. Thing. Yeah, he's like he's definitely treating Biden with kids gloves and that he like brought up the Social Security stuff was seen as an affront. Like that's it's literally yeah. just an issue. He's just bringing up an issue. But they treat it like he's just like going for the kneecaps. Well, sorry. Well, it was the same thing with Hillary squad. as well, where it's like it's it's like. It's like misogyny to bring up Hillary's record of and the things she's done and said in her political career. It's like somehow some kind of blow the belt uh, attack. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's really all that like centrists and liberals have really is to feign outrage. Um, I think you were talking about it on your last show with David J. So I don't want to yeah. rehash it too much. But well, no. But it's I, I, I tweeted about this the other day um, or last night, I think. Is that like, I feel like since the quarantine started, the libs, they just keep working themselves up into this like frenzy about these like completely invented non stories uh, and just turning it into this like entire news cycle, but pretending to be mad about, about, about whatever. I mean, for the the other day, it was Brianna Joy Gray saying like, why don't, why aren't all medical treatments free and not just coronavirus? And then pretending that was this big like outrage. And then this, yesterday it was Joe Rogan. It was, that's all the that's yeah. all anyone was talking about yeah, yesterday. Biden, Biden, Joe deserve, Biden deserves to lose, and liberals deserve to lose. Uh, like they're making this really pathetic play 
for like respectable conservatives, which to the extent that they they will win them over, they already have won them over because the never Trump people have had a very long time to think about it since 2016. There's room for them in the Democratic Party because it's uh, like they will they will go as far to the right as they can. And so I think we're at this point where like Biden could probably, assuming he does live and get the nomination and hasn't already died of coronavirus, quite frankly, um, that he he could make sort of a, a, an outreach to the left by saying like, you know, hey, uh we're going we're gonna to try to repeal Taft-Hartley, the first thing we do. Uh, it's something that the Democratic Party has supported on paper for a long time. The House literally just passed the Protecting Right to Organize Act, which would do that. But um, And, and this, this, I think, would have a really practical effect of like unlocking a lot of the quote-unquote Bernie bro passion, because if it was suddenly, if Congress made it easier to organize unions you know, then like all of us could channel all that energy we have, like screaming about Elon Musk online into trying to fucking organize unions. Yeah. But, well, the Democratic Party donors don't want that shit though. Right, exactly. You know? And that that's the problem is, and we've, we've literally seen this pattern before where in 2006, uh, or maybe not 2002, sorry, 2007, Democratic House controlled by Pelosi passed a, a legislation to repeal Taft-Hartley I think it passed the Senate as well and was vetoed by uh, Bush. But the point is, is that like months later, when the Democrats controlled everything, both houses of Congress and Obama, they yeah. they they didn't they had a majority of House members co-sponsoring Taft Hartley, and they didn't even bring it up for a vote. Yeah, <laughs> and so even, even if Joe Biden were like right now, if even if Joe Biden were like, look, Bernie Bros, get on board, we're going to pass Taft Hartley. We're going to let you take the gloves off and go after these rich assholes. Even if Joe Biden said that right now, I wouldn't fucking believe him. Yeah. yeah. I think Joe Biden's going to say anything. And, and I mean, Bernie's, I would hope Bernie's going to at least try to get some concessions, but right, you're right. You can't trust Joe Biden on any of that stuff. And that's why I'm, I'm a hundred percent certain that the, the Joe Biden political project will be a complete failure. And I, by failure, he will either lose in November, assuming they're planning to stick with Joe Biden, he will lose in November or for the reasons Sam Knight talked about that, you know, a, a, a dead guy can beat Trump right now. Maybe we're at that point. Uh, he will win and then he will lose four years later to someone way worse than Trump. Oh, yeah. So I, I'm very pessimistic about uh, electoral outlooks, at least on the presidential level for the next, yeah. you know, five years. And the only sort of optimism uh, I, I, in fact, I'd probably be even this, 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 uh, I'm not even gonna say it cause it's fucked up, but I just feel like the, that there's an opportunity right now, despite, you know, the horrendous shit world we're living in and everything that's going on, that people are awakening to things and more things may be possible out of this than beforehand. Yeah. And, and you guys touched on it. I think it's important to, to point that out is that we're hearing a lot about how the left needs to like unify with Biden or get on board. Um, but not only are they not making any like uh, not doing any actual outreach to try and make that happen, but you can there's like a tangible glee that these these elite Democrat types have had in crushing this like insurgent left movement, and like you don't I don't get the impression that these folks have any interest in unifying at all with the left or giving them any, tossing them a bone or anything. Yeah. It seems more like what they're wanting to do is just completely crush and destroy them and then consolidate that kind of all those disaffected Republicans that didn't vote for Hillary last time and hope that it's enough to, to get, get them across the finish line this time. Which is why I'm beginning to think that maybe harm minimization looks like trying to tank Joe Biden, because quite frankly, like these people should be crushed. Like th the fact that the Democratic Party is trying to welcome in people like David Frum and fucking Jen Rubin and Bill Kristol, like that, yeah. that portends that sort of, like negates any sort of hope of of anything yes. good happening, like a Taft Hartley repeal or anything like that. And yeah. so, and of course, then and then talk about how toxic Joe Rogan is, while like Jennifer right. Rubin is is uh, you're one of your main uh, mainstream media cheerleaders. Great stuff. I, I mean, so I guess it might work, right? I mean, like people, a lot of people, I think, don't really think about politics to the extent that we do. 
And I think there is, there's also a strong, like I can see why it's, um, why it would be palatable right now for people to be like, oh, we just need to go back to the way things were before Trump. I mean, obviously, like as Sam said, that'll end up in Democrats getting absolutely fucking sculled in, in 2024. No, it's okay, guys. Guys, crisis averted. Everything's going to be fine. I just checked Twitter, and the number one trending topic right now is hashtag Trump is a loser. We've we've saved nice. it. We've saved the country. <laughs> Mission God, accomplished. God is ass. God is ass. The uh, orange Cheeto with the small hands. Well, he will be. He has to resign now that he sees that number who, one trend. Who does he has this to just shit? Leave the office. <laughs> Scott Dworkin. This is a Scott Dworkin I production. I guess they call it Mango Mussolini and not Fluorescent Franco, huh? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Very nice. Well, I guess I guess that pretty much wraps it up, guys. I'm glad we didn't spend too long talking about the Joe Rogan news cycle because that was really Oh. I just yesterday hour. I saw that was going on and I just logged off and just hung out with my family and just did anything else because I was like I have no I have no interest in like pretending to care about any of this shit. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. They want it to matter. It does not matter. Yeah, no one cares. Yeah, well, that's yeah. the thing. I mean, there's actually people in the Democratic Party establishment and in the media that think that that was this huge turning point. That that like <laughs> that's the reason Bernie lost, which is yeah, why they right. deserve to lose. Yeah, right. Yeah, it has. It makes no difference at the end of the day. They the the near Tandon was tweeting about it. Like Bakari Sellers was tweeting about it. Like they they're going to convince themselves that everything that they did was what what caused it and everything. That uh, Bernie, you know, slipped up on was ultimately the the, the causal uh, effect and impact on his his demise. But no, it doesn't matter. No one cared at the end of the day. Yeah, and I, I'm not even defending Rogan. Like it's not. It's like I'm a huge Joe Rogan fan or anything. I I don't like his regressive social views, um, or his role in like the alt right radicalization pipeline and talking to all these like really toxic right wing figures. But just as, I just don't care. No, that like he's a he's a fucking dipshit piece of shit. <laughs> yeah but who yeah. cares it doesn't matter that much it just really doesn't fucking matter as much as 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 people like i'm sure bakari sellers a guy who goes to fucking apac suddenly cares he just he he, he stays up at night thinking about yeah. the reactionary right as he fucking as as, as he pals around with sheldon adelson tries not to breathe on him or whatever <laughs> We don't we don't talk about co-sponsor of the show Sheldon Adelson like that though. It's, uh, he's our boy. Uh, what up, Sheldon? <laughs> we're, we're extremely grateful for your financial support, sir. Yeah. Yes, thank you, Sheldon. Uh, uh, Sam, the two Sams, thank you so much for for jumping on the show with us today. Uh, before we get going, hey, just want to let everyone know about your your show on Means TV and how they can find your um, your your stuff. Yeah. Internet. Yeah, we've. Uh... We're at the DC Sentinel on Twitter. Don't tell the mods, but SK1 is normally uh, manning that account. Um, and no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Fuck. <laughs> we, uh, it's one of we, your yeah, interns. We've, uh, <laughs> we started a show on Means TV, Means Morning News, that um, people can watch every Thursday morning. If they subscribe to Means TV, and if you are feeling kind of cash-strapped right now, like a lot of people are, um, Send a message to Nick and Naomi over at Means TV, and they'll work something out with you. Great, great. Thanks for coming on, guys. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Insurgents. Please remember to subscribe over at theinsurgents.substack.com. Find the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps, and please remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's very helpful, and we appreciate it a lot. But please, again, don't mention Ken Klippenstein in the review. He is banned from the show. It's a lifetime ban, so please do not mention him in the review. And we'll be back later this week with more of the content that you know and love. Goodbye. Goodbye.